Thanks for joining us on After Dark with Rob and Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or head on over to AmericaOutloud.com where you can click the Listen Live tab for 24-7 talk radio. While you're there, please check out articles and podcasts updated daily. Hope you're all having a great night. We're joined once again by New York Post journalist Heather Robinson. So we're excited to be speaking to her once again. She joined us last week and uh, we had a great discussion with her. So we're looking forward to continuing it tonight. What I want to start off is talking about this Biden administration. And immediately after the midterms, he's requested $38 billion more for the war in Ukraine. And I'd like to take that back to President Trump and why I believe he became so popular back in 2015 and 2016 is because Americans got sick and tired of struggling, paying $4 a gallon for gas at the same time they see Washington, D.C. handing out billions of dollars to other countries. President Trump's America first policies were very popular. And here you've got Joe Biden really straining from it, seeming to be a little bit more of a war hawk than President Trump was. Uh, We know Miley and Austin are all about helping the Ukraine in this war, and they just want to keep it going on and on forever. And you've even got people like Macron in France who are calling for perhaps maybe Ukraine could do some peace talks, but we don't hear it here in uh, Washington, Mm D.C., from our own government, which is very disappointing. Uh, Joe Biden likes to blame Russia for the rise in gas. Well, how about trying to end this war and getting things back to normal instead? Joe Biden keeps doubling down and funding the Ukraine just enough for them to stay afloat, regardless of how many Ukraine citizens have to die in the process. The whole thing's just very sad and unfortunate. And uh, that's what I'm really taken back by right now. How about yourself, Rob? What are your thoughts on sending the Ukraine $38 billion more after all the billions of dollars we've already sent? Well, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in tonight because we it's just never a dull moment here within our, our country with things that are happening. And as we've always said, if you want the truth, if you want it unvarnished, you should definitely tune into After Dark with Robin Andrew. Now, we will give our opinions, but at the same time, we're going to give you the truth as to what's happening. And you will know when our opinions are being given. Now, back to what you're saying, the billions of dollars that we're giving to Ukraine. Now, I think back to when this war first took place. There was this always a cat and mouse. Is Russia going to invade? Is it not going to invade? Did they invade? Biden coming out, oh, they're going to invade. Oh, they're not going to invade. It was like a backwards and forward thing. Then once they finally invaded, then it was, okay, when is it going to be over? And how much money do they need? And then this guy, Zelensky, I mean, we all admired that what he was doing, standing up, saying, you know, we will not bow down. We're not going to just let you take our country without a fight. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know what's left of Ukraine. Because with the exception of nuclear weapons, Putin has just like really laid in on this country. What's left? Why are we sending them more money? Are we sending them money to do a rebuild? Or are we sending them money so that Zelensky and his wife can live a very hoity-toity lifestyle? I, I don't know. But I would think that given our country, the crises that we're in, I know the job numbers came in and Biden is jumping on and saying, oh, look at what I did, beating his chest, look at what I did. 
But buddy, inflation is still out there. We have high interest rates. We're in the recession and it's about to get even worse. We have Janet Yelling, as opposed to her looking at the economy, she's looking at, oh, well, maybe we should go after Elon Musk, and maybe we need to see what he was doing when he was getting all this money from any of these different countries to buy Twitter. Now, no one has told her that, hey, Janet, have you looked at uh, Google or Apple? Do you see who their investors are? And by the way, do you see where their market is? She can't see that. She wants to focus on someone who's trying to help our country restore democracy and free speech, that she's focusing in on that. She can't focus on we're giving billions of dollars to Ukraine, and we should be helping ourselves. Now, she's the one who said, oops, I missed it. I didn't see that the numbers that we were going to be going into a recession. She said she just missed that completely. Then why in the heck is she even in that position? Just like so many others in the Biden administration. Rachel Levin, why is she in that position? Why is a guy in the position who was recently caught stealing a private citizen's suitcase? Now, he's supposed to be a, the first uh, non-binary person working in the White House, wearing dresses, lipstick. Oh, and by the way, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring this up. By the way, he also trains people in how to be a puppy, a puppy as in a, a, a small dog, a puppy. That's his claim to fame. He's in the Biden administration. Now, <laughs> no one wants us to talk about that. And the media? Oh, my God, they have just like went right over it. I'm looking for my notes right now because I want to get his name. Yeah. We need to give him a call out. He's but... going to have to buy his own bras and panties oh, for oh, now yeah. on. He's going to have to buy his own extra large bras and panties. But the and the media won't even touch it. They, they're pretending as if, though, oh, this didn't happen. And you know why they're pretending as if though it didn't happen? Because they don't want people to go back and say, wait a minute. There's a problem with these transgenders. Maybe they do need some type of uh, psychiatric help. Okay, and maybe that those billions of dollars that were given to Ukraine, we could use that to help aid these people and help them through their uh, crises, their gender crises. But we can't talk about that. The only thing we're going to do is give Ukraine a blank check. Yeah, the guy's There's name. No... Oops, sorry. The guy's name is Sam Brenton. Since we were trying to come up with it, sorry. To Sam Brenton. No, I'm glad. Sam Brenton. G guys, you got to Google this guy. Yeah, he is a guy. You got to Google him. He and Rachel Evans, they were together. They were like, you know, talking it all up, but not too long ago. And here's the thing about it. This happened, I think, this past fall. Why are we only learning about it now? I'm sure the Biden administration knew about it. We're only learning about it now because, again, they don't want you to question what's happening. They want to divert attention. They want it to make it seem that Joe Biden, Joe Biden, his administration, they're all on top of it and they're so smart when we all we have to look at KPJ, Kareem Pierre Jean, Kareem, Kareem Jean Pierre, and we can see how much of a disaster she is. What? No, don't say anything about that. And don't you dare say anything about us giving an extra billions of dollars to Ukraine and for what? Heather, thank you for joining us tonight. What are your thoughts on the affairs and holding people accountable, accountability? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I'm, I'm with you guys on all of it, and I, I, I'm 100% with you on the Ukraine situation, uh, Andrew and Rob. From the beginning, uh, there's been, I, to my eyes, a, a complete refusal to be logical about this situation. Um, Russia's got nuclear weapons. There is no end in sight. Uh, if anything, I think that tragic as what's happened so far is, um, and how it's atrocious, there's been a lot of death and destruction to these 
people, these Ukrainian people who are really caught in between. It's a proxy war between East and West. Um, as I see it, they're in between our, you know, and Russia's power war games, which, as you guys know from the beginning, I believed um, I have placed some culpability on our own foreign policy elites who my understanding is they they didn't officially make ukraine part of nato but they pushed it they pushed it and pushed it there was something i, I don't know the name but there was an official document drafted um last november um so it would have been a, a little over a year ago that formally asserted our intention to make ukraine part of nato um this was pushed uh, in, I don't remember if it was the UN, it was, it was an official NATO, US-led NATO document that was drafted. And this is after Putin had many, many, many times verbally and in writing made crystal clear that the one absolute red line for him was this issue of Ukraine and NATO. Um, without even going into right and wrong, that was very clearly articulated by him many times. And we were warned that if we were to persist with this, that he would likely invade that country or at least possibly do so. I don't know his exact words, but I know that he was clear that it was an absolute red line for him. And, and I, as far as I know, I don't think he had a very lengthy list of demands. I mean, he wasn't asking us to uh, stand on our heads and sing happy birthday or, uh, you know, as the radical Muslims do, tell us we can't write certain cartoons or, you know, books or, you know, have to regulate our speech and our thoughts in our own country or anything like that. He was saying he did not want NATO coming to his backyard and turning Ukraine into a NATO missile protected, miss, you know, armed up state on his border. This was his one overriding concern. And our diplomats absolutely refused to give him that assurance, which I, as an American taxpayer, I'll tell you what, I'm pissed off about. And I have been from the beginning. Um, you know, I get it that Putin, you know, is no uh, great guy and he's committed atrocities and it's a horror what's happening. But I also think that for us, for, for American policy to have passive aggressively pushed this issue, I as a US taxpayer have absolutely no interest or concern in whether Ukraine is in NATO or not. It does not affect my life, nor would it have. And for the world to be flirting with World War III over this issue is completely idiotic. Um, I think this is Biden's war. Uh, you know, we don't know what would have been had Trump been in office, but I, I suspect he would have been, you know, more pragmatic and canny. I mean, I don't think he would have ridiculously pushed that issue when it had been clearly laid out to us. You know, the analogy I make is like, let's say you're in an office and some guy is testy and a little crazy and known to, you know, be given to violence. But other than that, you know, you can exist with him and he tells you he has one demand. Don't put stuff on his desk, let's say. And maybe it's it's far fetched, but he reiterates again and again and again and again. This is the one thing he's asking and, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, well, we can't give you the assurance we're not going to put you something on the desk because we have every right to put it on that desk. And maybe the other person wants to put something on your desk and we want to rearrange it because it would be better. And that's a better way. And, and you know, he says, if you keep doing this, I'm going to I'm going to hit somebody. 
Okay. I mean, that doesn't give him the right to then hit somebody. Okay. He's still morally responsible, but I don't think it's very smart to be the person who keeps walking up to this crazy dude and saying, you know, that one thing you said that was the absolute red line for you. Well, you know what? We're not going to give you that assurance because why should we give you that assurance? Because everybody else has the right to do whatever they want to do. We're just going to keep talking about this and pushing this because we have the right. And finally he takes a swing. I think that's what happened. I think we can thank in part our own idiotic foreign policy elites for whom these kinds of blunders have no personal cost. You know, and so we're in another war. We're in another war, folks, that the American people have have no interest in. This is not, you know, a, a vital interest to our economy, to our way of life, to our values. It's the other side of the world. It is Russia's backyard. And we are in deep and we're getting deeper. And I, for one, you know, I appreciate you guys' perspective. I feel like no one wants to hear this because, you know, they feel sorry for the Ukrainian people. And I do too, you know, but these people, as you said, Rob, are just getting killed in greater numbers. There's no end in sight. The idea that Russia is going to take its nuclear weapons, turn tail and go home is an American fantasy. Putin is armed to the teeth. And you know what? He may be a thug, but he has a perspective. And so do the Russian people. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying this is not 100% black and white. And that perspective has been scrubbed from the media coverage here. People are being fed a simplistic good and evil story, which we have the right to more truth about as, as taxpayers who are funding this continued war with no end in sight. So I'm pissed off about it. Um, and I think it's very important to try to raise awareness. There's a lot more I could say but I know I've said a lot, so that's that. No, Heather, what you've said is right on point. And the next question I was gonna ask you as a journalist who's out there seeing these things, the, the way the media covers these stories and how they you know, they make light of it, and they build these heroes, people that they think are heroes. They build them up and yeah. they like, you know, we've, we've gotta go this route, we've gotta do this. Now, again, earlier on when we, when we saw this, when we reported on this, we said, hey, we gotta give him props because he's standing up mm -hmm. okay but then once we saw that you know he's not going he has not warned this people the country has been obliterated the only thing left to do is for him just to wave the white flag and say hey it's up russia well, has been, been very a lot worse you think this country been first of all the russians may have they've committed some atrocities but if they were trying to deliberately kill civilians they'd have gotten a way many more by now there is a lot, unfortunately, that they can do that they've been holding back on. And Agreed. I'm afraid that if the, wor the world keeps piling in and piling in, they're going to really let these people have it. And I don't want to see that happen. I really don't. I think the world's been fed a very simplistic good and evil fantasy. They're being told this is like World War II and Putin's like Hitler which I, it isn't true, but I mean, even if it was, Hitler didn't have nuclear weapons. And need I remind everybody of the human cost of World War II? We, America, led that effort ultimately and fought to the death to the tune of hundreds of thousands of deaths because we had to. We fought to win. Let's be honest, these half-assed wars we keep getting into we're not fighting them to win and nor should we because we you know the truth of the matter is war is hell war is do or die and most americans would not be remotely willing to die for this 
nor should we be. I mean, that's we shouldn't be in a war over it. I mean, there, there, you know, if we cared so much about these Ukrainian people, there were other ways we could have helped them. You know, take some more refugees, provide humanitarian aid. You know, we we shouldn't be entering wars we're not prepared to really fight to win, and it's just going to drag on and on. It's already dragging. I don't see any end in sight. Um, you know, Putin's going to be freezing these Europeans all winter. He does have a lot of cards left in his deck. A lot of his people are behind him. And this is something that most Americans don't understand. I'm not saying all the Russian people support this. I think some probably don't. But a lot of them see him as um, standing in between them and what they see as a decadent West. They don't see it just as a war with Ukraine. They see it correctly as a war with us. And they think that we, um, led by NATO, NATO, led by America, is pushing onto their doorstep a decadent Western kind of globalist, socialist, um, global world that they don't want to be part of. They don't believe in teaching their children about transgenderism and and socialism and you know a lot of the things that. You know, a lot from what I've been reading, a lot of the people in Russia who are the more traditional sort of people, the older people, the churchgoers, a lot of those people are behind Putin because they think that what he is doing, and I'm not saying that that's the whole story of what he's doing, I'm not defending what he's doing, but he's telling them, you know, this is our last stand against the West. You know, we, we Russians have been taken over by Napoleon, by the Nazis. You know, now it's the West pushing onto our doorstep, putting missiles on our doorstep with their plans to indoctrinate your children into transgenderism. Okay, that's the story they're getting. And that's part of why some of them support this. So my point is, they're not rolling over anytime soon. And we're just keep pouring money into this. And I don't know, Americans seem to think that what, that the Russian people are going to revolt and overthrow Putin. I mean, that's, that's just not realistic. And I think it's just, it's just a, a futile, um, it's not our fight. It never was. Um, there's a lot more I could say too about Zelensky. I think he's an interesting figure. He's a young man. He's, I'm sure probably there's some sincerity there in wanting to fight back as, as any human being who's been attacked and whose people are attacked. However, he's playing fast and loose with the truth himself about a lot of things. Right. You know, including, you know, Ukraine's past, which they've never reckoned with, um, you know, in World War II. So, you know, there's just a lot that Americans aren't being given in terms of a fuller picture. And it's disturbing. Yeah, and according to reports, uh, Zelensky hasn't even shown the most gratitude for the money that we've given him. I read a report that Joe Biden actually had to go off on Zelensky about showing some more appreciation for all that we've done for him in Ukraine, because this guy just keeps asking for more and more and more. It seems like he's never satisfied. And um, I believe the Democrats and the media are also accountable and need to be held accountable for this war as well. Because if you look at the way that they've talked about Vladimir Putin in Russia the past five, six years, it's very dangerous rhetoric. Mm-hmm. They've accused yes. them of stealing our elections. Yes. And they hear all of that. And there's a reason Joe Biden announced more funding 
for Ukraine on November 15th and not November 5th, right? Because this is not popular to the American people. So he intentionally waited until after midterms to announce that we're going to send more money to the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we'll just have to see where it unfolds from here. We'll continue talking about that and Zelensky in our second half. But first, a word from our sponsor, Healthy Cell. If you're looking for better sleep, focus, and energy, check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator of nutritional supplements for cell health. Rob and I did, and we're so happy we tried Healthy Cell. Healthy Cell vitamins work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Absorb a healthier lifestyle with Healthy Cell's pill-free vitamins. Go to HealthyCell.com, check out the great products, and save 25% off with the code OUTLOUD. It would make a great Christmas gift for a friend or family member, just head on over to HealthyCell.com, find a product that you like or you think a loved one would like, and you can save 25% off with the code OUTLOUD. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew with special guest, New York Post journalist Heather Robinson. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, from world and political news to societal and cultural stories. Six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait. We wash our nose? Yes. The number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. So all things Ukraine and holding people accountable. And one of the things that we like about our government is that we're always looking to hold people accountable. And we don't like signing the dotted line for a check unless we know what the money is going for. 
unfortunately, as of lately, our country has been just like signing checks here and there, helping people who don't have jobs that don't want to work. Oh, get them a check. They don't have to work. Write them a check. Look at what Joe Biden is getting ready to do with the uh, the student loans. He wants to you know, pay all their debt off. Of course, it was just an election gimmick. But then when we look at countries and how we're sending them money, I read the other day that Biden had said that he wanted to write checks to third world countries but because of what we have done with global warming. I'm like, what? I mean, look at China. Chi- China is the biggest polluter. Why are we writing a check? We need to take care of home. And that's yeah. one of the things that I admired about Trump, that he was focusing in on home, on the United States. Go ahead, Andrew. I was just going to say they're calling it climate reparations. Yeah, climate reparations. Term. I mean, they just make this stuff up whole cloth. The same way they say that a man can be a woman, they just make everything up. They redefine the definition of racism. Just Well, we're just going to make it up. It sounds good. And people believe it. That is a reason why we come on here five nights a week and try to explain to you and impart to you the truth because we know that the mainstream media won't do it. The same way they want to say, wait a minute, why are we sending more money to Ukraine? Why is the media propping this war up? Why are they propping up Zelensky? And why aren't our politicians? You got politicians, Andrew and, and Heather, on the left and the right that want us to send them more money. Give them more money. Give them more money. For what? This is what we did with Arafat back in the day. And he enriched himself and became a billionaire. Now that he's dead, his wife is somewhere in London living off of our taxpayer dollars. So why are we about to do the same thing? Heather, what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think we're so gullible when it comes to this stuff? That's a great word, Rob, gullible. Uh, You know, I wonder the same. I really do. I don't know that there's one simple answer. I think that this is both Democrats and Republicans, you know, behind this Ukraine, this huge push of this enormous blank check, as you said, just billions and billions and billions. I think we're pretty close to hundreds of billions now with very little oversight um, into a conflict that most Americans knew absolutely nothing about until the invasion last uh, February. Um, I think, well, to break it down, I think the Democrats support it uh, overall because it, 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 some people are sincere, I'm sure. They feel bad for the Ukrainians, as do we. Um, and the, it fits with the globalist agenda, the idea that Europe and the rest of the world should be one world. I think some of the people in Ukraine wanted to be part of Europe, especially the younger people were presented with the idea that, well, get on this train, you can be part of the EU and part of NATO. And, that, you know, it's a very poor country. And I think that a lot of people there, you know, want a better life. And so they were sold this idea, right or wrong, that that would be uh, help them. And so now the left, the international, you know, liberals, this is, I think they want a cause. I think that everybody who's, you know, has goodness in their heart wants to believe in something. And this has been sold as something presented as something that's a, you know, righteous cause. And there may be some truth to it. Look, I mean, there are people there who are fighting for their lives. So some of it's compassion, some of it's, okay, we want to be part, help them become part of Europe, which is what they want. The Republicans, meanwhile, are on board because this is a militaristic cause. This is, they see Ukrainians fighting back and they understandably admire anybody who has the courage to fight back. We saw in Afghanistan and Iraq, unfortunately, not to say there weren't brave Afghans and, and Iraqis, there were. 
But unfortunately, there weren't enough, I guess, to counter the terrorist forces. And we know what happened in both of those cases. But here you have a very, you know, fighting population. So that excites and inspires the Republicans. And I do understand this. I think what people are missing, though, with all due respect, and including to some people I'm very close with who feel passionately about this, they feel I'm missing the big picture. But I would respectfully submit, first of all, a couple facts. Since 2014, there's been a war going on in between you and Ukraine and Russia. I'm not an expert, but I know enough to know there have been mutual atrocities. To give you some examples, you know, the Ukrainian government outlawed the speaking of Russia for a significant period of time in Ukraine. Russian speakers were, you know, jailed. They, you know, the people were being harassed for even speaking the language. Okay, so Ukraine was no model of, of evolved democracy. In these disputed regions, Donetsk and Luhansk, these are regions where a lot of the people speak Russian and want to be with Russia, and others feel differently. And they've been fighting with each other since at least 2014. At one point, all the Ukrainians turned off all the electricity in certain of these regions. So people, the Russian speakers were just sitting in the dark. That's what Putin referred to when at one point he said, this this war is for people who have been bullied for the past several years and we've done nothing to help them. He said something like that. I'm paraphrasing. That was one of his the few quotes that made it into Western media that doesn't totally conform to this narrative that there's absolutely zero um, provocation. Um, my point is just you can still believe that what Putin did was wrong, okay, and brutal and not supported. But the idea that there was absolutely zero provocation, okay, and that you know there's 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 the provocation from the west the bigger provocation which is us you know le- insisting on poking putin in the eye with this nato thing then there's the war that's been going back and forth between russian speakers and ukrainians in these disputed regions since 2014 americans most americans know nothing about either of these things so i would humbly say you know if you talk about the bigger picture you know how can you really have an informed opinion about whether we should be pouring hundreds of billions of dollars into this war when you don't know there's been a war going on since 2014. Both sides have committed atrocities. Uh, Putin clearly said many times he did not want Ukraine to be part of NATO and our our elites, our foreign policy establishment has refused to give him that assurance. You know, if you don't know those things, you're coming at this, you know, from an ignorant standpoint. You're you're just all you you just think it happened in a vacuum, and I'm sorry, but it didn't. I mean, you can still believe Putin's in the wrong and realize that there was some provocation here. And, you know, to, to not understand that is to, you know, I think to be inadequately informed about the whole picture and what, you know, what's going on here. Now, we're in it now. It's like, you know, going forward, what can we do? I, I'm with you, Andrew. I think you said it, that Macron has sounded a much more rational note than many leaders and said, well, you know, why are we not encouraging some kind of, you know, we can support the Ukrainians and encourage some kind of peace talks. Because I think most people realize that the likelihood that this is going to resolve with one side or the other winning 100% is very unlikely. I mean, that's just, I mean, Russia's got nukes. Ukrainians got the rest of the world jumping in and pouring endless weapons and money. It's just not a good situation. It's just it's it's naive to think that it's going to just 
be quickly resolved or neatly resolved anytime soon. So, you know, essentially, what are we supporting? We're supporting, at best case, something protracted that takes infinitely more lives and treasure. That's a best case. Worst case, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be further inflamed into something beyond the imagination. So, from any rational standpoint, they should, you know, our, our diplomats, the whole world should be encouraging this to come to some resolution sooner than later. But, you know, there's no appetite for hearing this, fellas. So yeah, you know. that's a really great point, Heather. And you look at last month, that incident almost took place when a missile hit Poland and took out a few of their citizens. Many people actually blamed Russia for this, saying that it was a Russian missile. And uh, our own Pentagon was late in releasing the fact that, no, this was a Ukrainian missile that actually hit Poland, not a Russian missile. Right. I mean, more stuff like that's going to happen. Right. People are naive to think it's not. Right. But yeah, you've got the whole Western world who's ready to point their fingers at Russia in a situation like this. And it's just uh, really scary to think of what the uh, tensions could rise in a situation like that. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt. But one other thing I would add, you asked Rob at the beginning, why, why is this happening? Why are people supporting it? Last thing I said, I think, Andrew, is that it's such an easy, um, emotional easy enemy to to stir people about the russians because of our history in america the cold war and frankly honestly what i think is that the truth is russia is a is basically historically a rational enemy so they're an easier enemy to rile our people up against because and i think this has borne out you know if putin really were hitler he would have god forbid used chemical weapons by now you know, this is a Christian enemy. It's a rather cerebral enemy. I'm not saying they're not an enemy, but they're not that crazy. I mean, they're, so I think part of it is that for our elites to have someone to fight with who they know is not going to be quick to start World War III, you know, it's a safe enemy, frankly, I think, for the, the, the war hawks. But know, what, is because- it, what, what is the media? What does the media have to gain? By not being true. Selling papers, Rob. Selling papers. I mean, this sells. This war sells. People feel good about it. They think they're fighting something righteous. And, you know, it's safe because we're not being drafted to fight it. And it's sort of, I hate to say it, but I think it's kind of a feel-good war for people. They can post it on their Facebook page. They can feel that America's on the right side. And, you know, in some sense, maybe we are. There are probably some good people there who are fighting for their lives. Again, I think the whole thing in the bigger picture is irresponsible. I don't think it can end well. I don't think it can end anytime soon. I don't think it's our fight, et cetera. But there are some good people there, I'm sure, in it, who are fighting for their survival. And so people feel good supporting that. You know, so I think that and that's why the media's maybe latched on. But maybe there's something more sinister, you know. I don't know. Maybe some people believe the military industrial complex is making a lot of money and that some people are making a lot of money from this. That's sort of I don't know as much about that. But well no, we've 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 had guests to come on and talk about the military industrial complex, but I would think that the media would no, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to even say that, I would think, because you look at what they're doing with the entire Twitter story. You look at what they did with Russia collusion. Mm-hmm. They have no intent of making the American people aware 
of the truth. And that's where independent journalists like ourselves, like After Dark with Robin and Andrew, we come in and we try to fill that void and make people aware as to what's happening. You think back uh, almost a year ago when we had the failed withdrawal from Afghanistan and the media pretended as if though it was not a failure and it was a failure and you had soldiers saying this was a major failure. Lloyd Austin, Mark Miley, they failed us. No, they, of course, they started to point the fingers. Oh, Biden told us this. We told Biden that. It was going backwards and forward, but no one in the media ever came out and said, wait, this was a major, a colossal failure. We spent all yes. those years there, and then we withdraw with our running, with our tails between our legs. We, we saw people, innocent people, trying to hold on to an aircraft and were letting go. And they but like, oh, there's nothing to see here. No, can yes. you, this is our media. So you look at Afghanistan, and they're doing almost the same thing by saying, they oh, are, and, and how about our elites? I mean, okay. Look, I'm not saying they should be hanged in the public square, but I mean, you get us into a war of 20 years duration that's designed to, you know, get the terrorists, but it extends years and years and decades beyond that to nation building that utterly fails. How many people's arms and legs blown off? How many Americans dead? How much hundreds of billions of trillions of dollars in equipment and weapons left behind for the enemy? Okay, maybe you shouldn't be hanged in the public square, but do you think you might want to have some accountability? Maybe somebody accountability. should have humility about getting us into yes. another war without end. I mean, I can't believe it. I just can't. I mean, I like I said to you guys before, it reminds me of a person who just keeps getting into the same dysfunctional situation. You know, we all know somebody like this over and over and over. And every time they tell you, oh, no, 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 this time it's different. This is This is totally different. But you see they're repeating the same pattern again and again. That's how it seems to me. Someone needs to be held accountable for all these injustices. And as I said before on our previous shows, the media needs to be held accountable. They're supposed to keep our politicians truthful. But instead of doing that, they're covering for them. They're not making the truth known. They're not out there saying, no, this is what's happening. It's like, what do they have to gain? We're losing our country because of the media not being willing, not being the taking on the journalistic accountability that they're supposed to to hold our politicians accountable and to say, wait a minute, what are we doing here? All these billions of dollars that we're sending overseas. We need to take stock of this. And who is this guy Zelensky? He has been saying that if we didn't give him these airplanes that the country was going to go up. Well, they're still there. They're still fighting. I don't think he's really in charge, Rob, from what I hear. I don't think, I mean, I think he's a young man who- Well, hold it, Heather, Heather, you're probably right. And I definitely want to discuss that who is in charge, but I know that Andrew's got to take us to break. So when we come back, we're going to talk about who's actually in charge in Ukraine. Not that we would know, but we're going to take a guess. Go ahead, Andrew. (laughs) Yeah, well said. You guys are tuned in to After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, or 6 p.m. on the West Coast. We're available on the America Out Loud iHeartRadio channel. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew and special guest Heather Robinson. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. 
the Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. So when we went to break, uh, we were just trying to figure out who's in charge in Ukraine. We know who's in charge in uh, Russia, but who's actually pulling the strings? And, you know, something else I want to say, we're talking about this money that's going to uh, Ukraine. We've got to remember, I remember reading somewhere that the guy, the FTX guy, yep, bringing him back in. It's just like six degrees of separation. Samuel Blankman uh, freed. I'm sorry, I said Blankman. I meant Bankman freed. I'm hearing that he also was trying to convince Congress to send more money to Ukraine and that, you know, somehow he was tied into it. And six degrees of separation, Elon Musk has said that he wanted the people there to have free access to the internet. And the folks here were like, oh, no way. How dare he? What is he doing? Reminds me of China and what China told Apple. We want you to selectively give them access to airdrops because we don't want all the pictures seen. Look at what's happening now in Ukraine with Starlink, with them saying, we don't want Elon Musk here. We don't want them to have access. So it begs the question, who's actually in charge in Ukraine? Who's doing what? Who's, who's pushing this war? Who's going to benefit here in America from this war? Because remember what Joe Biden said some years ago, I told them, hey, if you didn't do this, if you don't leave my son alone, we're not going to give you the money. And just like that, the SOB just dropped all, stop investigating. Can we link this to Joe Biden also? And if we can, will the truth ever come out? Heather, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't know who's pulling the strings in Ukraine. And my impression, you know, I mean, Zelensky supposedly was elected, popularly elected. I'm not saying he wasn't, but I just personally suspect that, you know, the, there are some very wealthy people, oligarchs apparently really ran that country um, up till now. And I, I, I don't really know the answer to that, Robin. I'm not saying it's all totally orchestrated, but I just believe in terms of who is benefiting from this. I think there probably are a few, maybe more than a few immensely wealthy people in this world who have a vision for a global kind of world, a more socialistic world. We know George Soros is one of them, but you know, there may be others. Um, and I'm not saying I personally believe that it's all perfectly orchestrated by these puppet masters. I mean, I know people who do believe that, and I'm not really a conspiracist. I, I think the simpler explanation is probably that the way our world has evolved, we're living in this technocratic world that's, that's you know, where a global elite of people is very powerful and 
they have so much money that they don't stand to lose everything if things go more socialist. And a lot of them have this, this sort of worldview and they don't really like the idea of there being strong, independent, you know, other kinds of countries who are also world powers. Uh, and let's face it, I mean, Russia, China, these are countries that abuse human rights a lot. Okay, I'm not saying they're so great or that I would want to live under them. I certainly would not. I'm not saying they're our allies, you know, but they are their own country. I mean, they have different ideas and cultures. And I think that there's a certain hubris. You use the word gullible. Rob, I do think that, you know, there's such a thing as national character, I guess. I believe people have characters and nations tend to as well. This is kind of an old fashioned idea. But I think, you know, if you believe that, let's say, you know, Russia has a national character and it can be brutal, but it can also be brilliant. And, you know, Russians are chess players. A lot of them are smart. They're, uh, you know, they have this imperial past, a kind of a, a grandeur and pageantry and grandiosity. And there was a time, you know, they produced tremendous artists and scientists and, you know, whatever. Putin yearns for this romantic past of Russia and he's trying to get it in an in a, in aggressive, maybe, you know, brutal way. You know, we have our national character. You know, America is, of course, my favorite country and, uh, you know, the greatest experiment in the, in the world and uh, a country of individualists and strivers and people, believers in freedom and idealists who believe can do, we can do, we're positive, we're forward future thinkers. We believe in the power of achievement and drive and capitalism and 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 we believe this is you know we're willing to to rise and fall on our own merits and you know be free to fail and you know we're bold people by character but you know the dark side may be the downside that we think we can be missionaries sometimes and and export these these beliefs and this character and this culture and we've seen again and again in our time this fail and fail again in other parts of the world. They have their ways of doing things, their value systems, their very deeply embedded beliefs that aren't congruent necessarily with these beliefs about everyone being equal under God and deserving an equal shot and to you know succeed or fail and total almost total freedom and no safety net and you know. Uh, all of this, this creed of freedom, you know, we've tried to export and it just does not, you can't give other people that if that's not their national character. So I think it's kind of a clash of, of, of priorities. And, you know, then you have the globalists who are, you know, like kind of have this zeal, but they also want everybody to be equal. They have kind of this missionary zeal, this, this messianic complex, I would say, like, to let's make, you know, the world, which we know falls very short of an, any perfection kind of ideal. They're trying to force the world to be some kind of utopia as they define it, where there's equal outcome. There's, uh, you know, freedom as they define it with these different strange expressions of sexuality being celebrated and whatever. I mean, these are their values and they're trying, they're, they kind of have like a, what I would consider like a, uh, you know, kind of in some ways a decadent value system, but combined with the American kind of zeal to 
export what they believe and they want the world to follow suit and for it to be one world, a socialist type world where there's, you know, the family is subordinate to individual kind of certain kinds of individuality with the sexual, you know, identity and all, the, you know, their whole agenda, the left sort of agenda. I think that's part of what's driving. I think that some of these wealthy people they believe in this. They want other countries to, you know, I mean, it goes beyond just respect for individual rights. It's, it becomes about, you know, indoctrinating other peoples into our value system, which I think has failed spectacularly in this past century. But, you know, it's some kind of unholy marriage between the military industrial complex and the global socialistic hedonistic elites, I would say. I mean, that's the best I can figure because I don't know, you know, what else could account for the, the almost universal zeal in this country for a, you know, hundreds of billions of dollar war on the other side of the world on behalf of a country most people didn't give a moment's thought to before a few months ago. And now they're willing to just endlessly, you know, support it. I just think there are so many factors I mean, some of them may be good and some of them may be driven by people who have some corrupt self-interest. And it's, it's very complicated, but I think you're right that it's, it's like a train that's just charging down the track. And it's just, it's like you can't be stopped, you know, and it makes no sense. You know, there's no good resolution to it anytime soon. I guess, listen, I don't mean to be such a pessimist. I, it will eventually come to some resolution, right? Everything does. So it's going to resolve one way or the other. I guess they're hoping that the world can keep piling in, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in weapons and eventually Russia will be forced to retreat. And listen, I hope that happens. I, I don't see it happening anytime soon, but I'd love to be wrong. You know, I guess that's what they're hoping, that despite having, you know, military superiority and, you know, having a point of view, Russia is going to just turn around. And, you know, if that happens, that'd be the best case. But I think that it's unlikely. You know, I think it'll, you know, drag on for a long time and or escalate and eventually grind to some compromise resolution, but not before many, 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 many more people die and many years pass. That would be my prediction. Well, I think the other thing is, you know, seeing everything that's happening, how did Zelensky? get to this point that we all know his background that he was a comedian and decided to run for office and now he's on the world stage almost asking different countries for millions and millions of, of dollars and he's definitely pressuring so it seems the united states i don't know about the other countries like you said marcone came out and said that macron came out and said that you know maybe we should be just talking about peace because this is like an, we don't see an end in sight why are we giving this guy all this money who exactly is he uh other than a you know used not too long ago like i said a comedian why are mm -hmm. we bending the knee and giving him money? Is there an end game? What is his end game? What is he planning on doing other than pressuring the United States, pressuring a weak democracy, unfortunately, under mm -hmm. Joe Biden to keep writing him blank checks? 
what, what do you what do you think about this, Heather? Who is this guy? Who does he to you know get tell us to keep writing checks? And you know, seems as if though we're acquiescing. Like I said, we have congressmen on both sides of the aisle that are just like saying, okay, let's give it to him. And if you dare say something about it, oh well, you're not for democracy, or oh, you're a hater, or you're a this, or you're a that. It's like, wait a minute. We can at least ask the question, but it goes back to the media mm-hmm. doesn't want you to say anything. You just remain mm-hmm. silent and just do as they ask you to do. Yep, yep, that's right. I mean, Zelensky was elected um, a few years back. I don't remember exactly when, but you know, he was on this popular TV show there, Servant of the People, and he, uh, you know, he's a he's a funny guy. He's a good actor, a charming fellow, and. I guess we're told that he captured the nation's heart. You know, I mean, you could say in a way it's a little like there's some comparison to Trump in the sense that he was a popular entertainer and he was a known commodity. And I, I, you know, I don't know enough about elections in that part of the world and their process to say that he wasn't. I mean, I, I, I guess I accept that he was elected. He just he ran on an anti-corruption platform because a lot of the people in charge there, it was a very corrupt country, Ukraine, run by oligarchs, really very similar to Russia in a lot of in that way, from what I understand. Um, these wealthy people were running things and throwing their weight around. And it's it's like the country's very, I guess, ruled by it's almost like being ruled by the mob or something you know and and we know that hunter biden got a job quote unquote with one of the largest energy companies there burisma where he essentially got you know funneled all kinds of money to do nothing he wasn't he had no background in energy so presumably he just sat there and collected money which was you know just a shice and you know that's where the laptop comes in you know there was some discussion on the laptop, uh, you know, Hunter Biden saying he was going to send some of the money along to the big guy who's thought to be Biden. So it would appear that they were using, you know, this Ukraine and the energy company there to launder money, or maybe launder isn't the right word, but to just as a gravy train, as a means of collecting money. I mean, I, I don't know all the details, but at the very least, it was highly, you know, inappropriate conflict of interest for um, Biden's son to be, you know, collecting major money on the board of uh, an energy company in a foreign country when his dad was serving as vice president. So we know all that. Um, so in terms of how Zelensky got in there, I mean, he supposedly he got democratically elected. You, you know, I mean, that's what we're told. Maybe he did. Um, you know, I have my own difficulties with him as a Jewish person. I feel that he, um, you know, I mean, look, I don't want to tear the guy apart. I know his country's at war. He's under siege and all that. But he strikes me as a very canny, you know, rather uh, a real operator. I mean, he has, is using his Jewish background now. My understanding is he did not run on that. He did not. I don't think he denied being Jewish, but he certainly didn't talk about it or make it any major part of his campaign. He uses it now. Uh, including when he tries to guilt trip Israel into giving money and taking a side in this conflict. Israel has already provided tremendous humanitarian aid to the Ukrainians, but they have, in my view, wisely chosen to be neutral on the military side. And Zelensky gave a speech to the Israeli Knesset in which he invoked the Holocaust. And he said, you know, he exhorted Israelis and the Knesset to treat Ukrainians to show the same 
solidarity with Ukrainians that Ukrainians showed Jews during the Holocaust, which was an outrageous statement because the reality is that Ukraine sided with the Nazis in World War II. And reports are that some, of course, not everyone there, but some Ukrainians were so vicious to uh, the Jews that even the Nazis couldn't believe it. Um, you know, they were there, there, I don't remember the name of the military outfit that um, conducted the extermination of Jews. They killed 1.5 million Jews um, in Ukraine alone. So for for Zelensky to, I mean, I'm not trying to blame the people there now for what happened in the past. What I am saying is for Zelensky to cite the Holocaust and the way Jews were treated in Ukraine as the reason that Israel should now take sides with the Ukrainians essentially is such a distortion, it amounts to Holocaust denial. So, you know, I have an issue with him there. Um, I think that was, he's either incredibly ignorant or he's just denying the reality. Um, So he's no Jewish leader, I can tell you that. He may be Jewish by birth, but he doesn't stand with Israel. He doesn't tell the truth about the Holocaust. So as far as I'm concerned, he's no Jew in any sense that would be meaningful to me. Um, you know, I mean, he's, you know, I guess he, you know, he's supposedly anyway is fighting for his country, which is Ukraine. And, you know, I mean, I guess anybody who's under siege, they're going to want all the help they can get, you know, but I mean, in terms of how he got there, I mean, he, we're told that he got elected, you know. Right. And to further that point, you look at Zelensky's, one of his militias, the Azov uh, regiment is actually still rocking or using the swastika. So I can certainly see why uh, Israel would be hesitant to give them any money whatsoever. Yes. Well, they were up until the war. I think uh, there was it was made a bigger issue um, up when the war brought out. So I don't know if uh, they've since I heard they cleaned it up. At mm-hmm. least outwardly, but you know, yeah, I don't think you scrub that ideology out of people overnight, you know. Yeah, it appears there's still some anti-Semitism there in the Ukraine. But we're all out of time tonight. Thank you so much to Heather Robinson for joining us once again on After Dark with Robin Andrew. We always appreciate her joining us. Check her out on the New York Post. Thank you all for joining us tonight on After Dark with Robin Andrew, which is on America Out Loud, available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you stream. Please like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or go to America Out Loud. We'll see you guys next time. And remember, stand for something or fall for nothing.